Fusion Patrol is a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can help support us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. This is the Fusion Patrol podcast. Each week, we look at a different science fiction TV episode or movie and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. Tonight we're kicking off our 2020 Doctor Who coverage with the two-part story, Spyfall, by the Chibbers himself, Chris Chibnall. Episode synopsis, and there are two episodes. Part one. Operatives are attacked all over the world by strange creatures pushing through the walls. The doctor and her fam, and if I never hear the word fam again, it will be too soon, are collected by C, head of MI6. The agents have all had their DNA rewritten, and that can only be unearthly technology. The world calls on the doctor to save them. The only clue, all the operatives were following up leads associated with Daniel Barton, CEO of VOR, the nightmare technology company that started as the world's most successful search engine and then branched out into servers, phones, home automation, and anything else you could think of. You know, like Google, only fictional, supposedly. The doctor wants to enlist the aid of Horizon Watcher, the MI6 agent known only as O. That is apart from being known as the Horizon Watcher, who operated MI6's X-Files until C fired him. C is killed by a sniper shot, and the glowing aliens attack the Doctor and the gang, but they escape in the TARDIS. The Doctor drops Yaz and Ryan off in San Francisco, where they are to do some undercover digging into Barton, while she and Graham travel to the Australian outback to confer with O. Using spy gear, Yaz and Ryan first manage to finagle an interview with Barton in the guise of journalists, then forge his ID and break into his office to download the info on his computer. Interesting side note, a scan of Barton's DNA reveals he's only 93% human. In his office, they are almost caught, but they learn that Barton is working with or for the aliens. In the outback, the Doctor and O confer, but the glowing aliens attack. They manage to escape, taking O with them, and infiltrate Barton's enormously convenient birthday party. After the doctor confronts him, Barton goes on the run, eventually flying off in his private jet. The doctor and the gang manage to get on the plane, but then the big reveal! O isn't O, after all, nor is he the Horizon Watcher. He's the master? He's in league with Barton and the aliens, and there's a bomb on the plane. The master leaves with the aliens just as the bomb goes off, And the Doctor is somehow transported to another place. End of episode one. Part two. On board the frontless plane, Ryan finds several plaques with his name and info on them, leading him to a recorded instructions and software from the Doctor to gain control of the plane and let it fly automatically to its original destination. The Doctor, alone in the strange place, meets Ada, a 19th century woman who apparently visits frequently but knows not why. 
She helps the doctor escape back to 1834 London, where the master attempts to kill the doctor unsuccessfully. The doctor meets Ada's associate, Charles Babbage, and like a calculating machine, the doctor puts two and two together and realizes this is Ada Lovelace, pioneer of computer algorithms. There's a weird sculpture called The Silver Lady in Babbage's Study, which we, the audience, had seen in Barton's office in the 21st century, which the doctor deduces is a MacGuffin and sonics it, causing her and Ada to be transported to 1943 Paris, where they meet Noor Khan, British agent, and are pursued by Nazis led by, you guessed it, the master. Back in the future, Graham, Yaz, and Ryan are on the run. Barton has brought the full weight of his technology to bear on them, and they are tracked, wanted for hijacking, and on the run in a surveillance state. Graham takes them somewhere he thinks is off the grid, but he is wrong. The aliens find them, but they're saved by Graham's soft shoe dance routine and a pair of laser shoes borrowed from MI6. The doctor arranges to meet with a master on the Eiffel Tower, where he can't help but blab a bit about how he found out about the aliens, gave them a better plan, will destroy the human race, then dispose of the aliens when they're of no longer use to him. He also drops a bit about Gallifrey being destroyed. Again, but he doesn't elaborate. The doctor has laid a trap, giving the Nazis false information that the master is a double agent for the British, and the Nazis are coming. The Doctor, Ada, and Noor escape in the Master's TARDIS. Graham, Yaz, and Ryan think they've been clever, allowing themselves to be located by Barton's team, then capturing their car and using the GPS to take them to Barton's base, which is an empty warehouse with the dead body of his mother. Barton killed her earlier because he has mommy issues. Barton is giving a speech, and he reveals to the whole world how terribly stupid Stupid and naive they've all been, giving his company access to everything about their lives, their location, their family, their friends, thoughts, bank accounts, children, everything. And now that he has all that, he implements the plot, which has virtually nothing to do with any of that. He's just using their phones to rewrite their DNA and turn the entire human race into DNA-based hard drives to store the aliens' massive porn collection, or whatever it is that they need to store, on unreliable, organic, prone-to-mutate, age and wear out hard drives. But but that doesn't work because the doctor fixed it all to not work off screen between scenes. She also reveals the master's perfidy to the aliens and they get upset taking him with them back into exile in their own universe. The doctor makes a brief stop at Gallifrey to discover that it has been destroyed and gets a recorded message from the master saying that, that he actually destroyed Gallifrey because they lied to him about all... Uh, their nature, and it really upset him. The end. <laughs> All right. I, uh, I, I want to say that this episode, I just want to start this off by saying that this episode reminded me so, so very much of Patrick Troughton's classic episode story, The War Games. And the reason it reminded me of The War Games is because if you sit and watch the war games back to back, episode to episode. It's one hell of a slog to get through. And it took me something like eight hours to rewatch this. <laughs> I had to just keep stopping. Um, I sort of enjoyed it on the first watch. On the second watch, I had real problems. So, <laughs> look, this, this one, this one went way down on me fast. Um, 
Anyway, how much did you love the episode? Because I bet you loved it. You expect me to talk? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I expect you to. Uh, I don't expect you to die. Well, I mean, I expect you to have your DNA rewritten. All I, right. I got. Well, I, I got to admit, I wasn't really shaken or stirred by this one. <laughs> I, <laughs> You'd be saving that one. Okay. I, <laughs> I've, 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 I've now firmly got the idea in my head that Chibnall should stick to writing one-parters because the thing about this two-part episode is it's got more than two episodes in it, but it's just a big jumble. Um, yeah. So... I, I mean, there could there could have been an interesting, there could have been an interesting Bond parody in there. I I was definitely looking forward to an interesting Bond parody. There could have been a resurrection of the Master story, though. I'll come back to some issues I mm. have with that. Mm. Um, okay, you know the the DNA the DNA stuff. There is some potential there. I mean, I we we've been sharing examples of of uh, storing information on dna and using com- dna as computers and certainly i saw this thing a couple of years ago about uh, moving images being encoded onto dna and then being fed to bacteria and so yeah there's something in in that story too um i i've, I've been trying to avoid spoilers but since part of this episode was literally shot feet from my office it was not necessarily easy to um escape the knowledge that some of this series was going to be set in 1943 paris and i was because looking forward you work to in 19... 1943 paris yeah exactly so exactly so <laughs> yes <laughs> I, have to, I have to i have to commute there every day and uh, oh okay uh, yes. each year it gets a little further away but um <laughs> that that was something I was looking forward to, and and I had assumed we were going to get a whole episode set there. So I thought that would be that would be really interesting, and and uh, you know again Ada Lovelace, yeah, brilliant. But I kind of felt, <laughs> although there were things I did love in this story, I kind of felt that putting it all together did make for pretty hard going. So, I mean, I, I'm not sure I agree with you about the war games, but I certainly did find rewatching this a bit of a slog. Well, I do love the war games, but if you try to watch all 10 parts. Sure. And I. In I a sitting. I haven't tried to do that in a sitting. And, in, you know. In, in fairness, if you try to watch all 10 parts in a sitting, you must be watching about four hours of television. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, whereas actually, this only felt like it was more than four hours of television. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. I I even watching it the first time through, um, it was it was like wow. Uh, I have to I have to go to the bathroom now. And you put it on pause, and you just look and you go, "I still got thirty minutes to go." How? I mean, they're both. What, are they both two full hours? Are they both one hour long? They're, they're both. Yeah, they're both. They're both full hours. So that just that doesn't just make it a long Doctor Who episode, which sixty minutes is. That's two long Doctor Who episodes. Yeah, it's yes, it's a pretty. I don't know. It's sort of uh, it's journey's end, stolen planet, long. I guess it, it kind of reminds me of it. Kind of reminds me of later Bond films because they're just too damn long. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Maybe I mean, maybe that's, that's the homage. In some way, doesn't it? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, well, the homage. Yeah. 
<laughs> we will make this really no actually there is one thing i will say get out get it out of the way i think i kind of like the new theme to the series i found the music to the previous season to be uninspiring unnoticeable unrecognizable uh, I have the soundtrack, I listen to the soundtrack, and it's like, yeah, this doesn't bother me. Um, I think you should be sitting in a room with some you know, Himalayan salt crystals, perhaps, and chanting, but it never, okay, it never conveys, it never conveys emotions to me, or, or events, or action, or it's, it's, it's very, and I never heard it. I think there were two instances in the original in last year that I noticed there was music and I noticed it immediately in this episode because they were definitely going for the David Arnold era bond uh, uh, sound. I know I have to, I have to disagree with that um, because I was, I was really struck by the similarities to the sky fall. I could get this right. Skyfall score that um uh, it's thomas newman isn't it uh, wrote that yeah really there was there were there were th themes when i when i when i compared them there were themes in the skyfall th score that i thought akinola had actually i mean he hasn't they're not they're not direct copies but they're so reminiscent that it if you weren't sure which one you were listening to i could have gone well i could that could have gone either way i'm not a um, fan of newman's bond scores to be fair uh, skyfall was well, I'm a, I'm a, yeah. I'm a huge fan of Arnold's scores. And, you know, yeah. I was looking forward to hearing what Sagan Akinola was going to do with this. And I have to say, I enjoyed it. But a tiny little bit of me was disappointed in the fact that we hadn't done a Bond spoof while Murray Gold was still scoring it. Because I would have loved to hear what Murray Gold did with Bond. And, you know, in some ways... I think there's a huge amount of similarity between Gold's work and Arnold's work. I think that they are mates and they, you know, they they probably have influenced each other, but um it it would it would just have been interesting to hear what what Gold did riffing on the the kind of Arnold stuff. I think it would have been more up his alley. Yeah. Yes, I mean he naturally I think his his stuff is more bombastic and that's very much the the kind of the Arnold Bond style, and and for, and it, it's I think it's very appropriate to to Bond. Um, I I also enjoyed Gold's Doctor Who scores, so you know, mm. don't get me wrong, it's not for the a, most part a criticism. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right. Let's let's skip that since then we've we've just finished pretty much all the Bond stuff, right? <laughs> no. Well, no. I I. I have um, I have qu quite specific complaints about the Bond stuff, which is where where the hell was it? I mean, if you're going to if you're going to do a Bond, okay, so there was there was some Bond stuff. There was the Doctor in a tux. There was the Doctor sort of. saying, "Is that was that really a tux?" Doc, well, so in the attempt at doing in that outfit, she made Patrick Troughton look tall. <laughs> It was a, it was a definite homage. She was the doctor, the doctor. We did get that uh, high speed chase through the the uh, grapevines. Most of that was already in the trailer, so mm -hmm. that was kind of like 
that was already priced in. I don't know. I was expecting at least there to be... I mean, if the Doctor is... Clearly, you've got a problem with you're dealing with a family audience and so a lot of Bond stuff is out of bounds. Maybe you can't have the Doctor drinking vodka martinis or whatever, but they could at least have mixed her some sort of um, mocktail that could have yeah, been stirred. Ginger, ginger beer, shaken, not stirred, anything. But, exactly. Uh, and Probably a mistake, but... Yeah. yeah and 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 you know i think there were i think there were lots of things you could have done with it um you know the the q branch stuff i was hoping for yeah we had some uh the the bling except sort of nothing happened with it nothing happened with it i mean not much okay there was a bit of laser shoe action in the second episode but at the end of the first episode the, the id generator was the best oh yeah the I, yeah yeah all right um it was it was kind of pretty minimal because it got swamped under a load of storyline about time travel and what have you, which really doesn't fit in a in a Bond story. Now I don't no, mind I... a story about time travel. This is Doctor Who after all. But if you're going to do the Bond stuff, this is why I'm like, okay, if you haven't got enough Bond stuff to do over two episodes, do one episode. Do a Bond story that is a decent pastiche of a Bond story, and then move on to the other stuff. Here's my other complaint. The spy stuff is, it's not just that it they didn't do the Bond stuff. It's irrelevant. It's utterly yeah. irrelevant to this story. The The fact that well, the it aliens depends, it depends what you are think the story spies, is. I, I don't know. What, the aliens are spies. Huh? And so it's all, I think, I really do. I think that, uh, you know, I don't know anything about Mr. Chibnall's habits, but I could envision that perhaps on some drug or alcohol-fueled, circumstance he happened to look at the back of a lacaire novel and he saw the word spy master and he went whoa what if the master were a spy and that's but where this story came from because that's the as far as i can tell that is the sole reason there's any spy craft in his except for the ian chesterson moment of steganography um I, I don't I just, think I, I literally don't, don't was, get it. I don't think that was a problem. I don't think it, I don't think that you you have to have the master in a story that's separate from a spy story because every Bond story has to have the kind. Oh of, no, I don't have any problem the, with the that. Bond I'm just villain. saying that. I'm just saying why, that. Why wasn't the master channeling there was no reason in this? There was no reason to for it to be about spies because they didn't use that. They 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 just set it up so that we could get a cup a car chase and a but they could and, have and it used really that. had nothing they, to they could have but they did not which is my the, point is that the it whole was point not about constructed. the master is he is he manipulates people so he could have been manipulating terrestrial intelligence agencies to achieve whatever yep. end he wanted I mean it's classic Bond you know Moonraker Spy Who Loved Me stuff of he could have been trying to start World War Three in order to wipe out the human race for reasons i mean that's what the master does but that wasn't but no. what he was doing in yeah. this he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't actually the spy master in any in any meaningful sense because there wasn't any proper espionage story set up in this it was just you know we 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 kick off by paying a visit to foxhall cross which by the way looked utterly wrong i mean how how did they think that that interior looked like Sorry. the interior of... Because they used external shots of Vauxhall Cross. 
Foxel Cross is the MI6 headquarters? Is that what yes. we're saying? Yes. Okay, I didn't know it had a name. And you and you see it from the outside. Right. It's a it's a very modern building. And then it gets shot inside some <laughs> I, I suspect, though I haven't double checked it, I suspect it's City Hall. Uh, I, I you know it. It, it's quite funny because when they went in to uh the hospital bed and you know C does the handprint thing. I I very much got a Moonraker James Bond going into the nerve gas lab in Italy vibe to that scene. And because you've got these ancient buildings and you've got the renovated interior hmm. on the inside of it. And and I as I watched that, I said, you know, that's a peculiar and uniquely British thing. Because when you watch a show made in the United States, typically the building interior and exterior match because our buildings are much newer by and large. But it's much more common to see something British where it's clearly old style infrastructure on the building and then it's been gutted and renovated. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen here, but certainly it doesn't happen in Los Angeles much in Hollywood. And... And I actually thought that at that moment never occurred to me that the MI6 building wasn't an ancient building. And I know it isn't, but it just, it looked absolutely quintessentially British as they went in that, in that room. It fit perfectly in my mind, but you do make a perfectly good point. Well, I've never, I've never been inside it, but it's, it didn't look like the interiors that we Or if you had, you couldn't tell us. Bond films, so... Given, oh, like given they that go was in it what for... they were trying to spoof, that was a bit remiss. Yeah, so I'm not not particularly happy with the spy story uh, on this, uh, such well, such I, as it is. I, I, I'm, I'm disappointed by the lack of it. Well, okay, fair enough. That, I, mean, I think that's the same. I'm disappointed in the, its execution because they didn't. Yes, they didn't execute it. I mean, that's that's where I'm where I'm getting at. Let's talk about the vor. And the Google parallels, and and maybe we can think of Kerblam a little bit from last year, because I saw yeah. I saw a lot of parallel here. They're made out to be awful. I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of things that just not about Vor that remind us of this whole privacy thing. Like when Graham is uh, doing his medical exam, which is basically an irrelevant scene, and they make him tick the boxes for his data protection privacy stuff yeah. i mean they were the 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 dad and the uh the home the home well the echo like device uh it, was an Le- it's, it, it is an alexa specifically was it yeah, yeah i guess it wasn't it was. a vor machine yes. he he, it wasn't he says alexa machine. good point he did he did say that i hope they were trying to mess up everybody's uh alexa all over all over the world by doing that because they're all like playing rubber soul by the beatles right now <laughs> um or looking for a shoe shop somewhere. There may have to be how awful this is, how terrible, how devastating it would be if a company used that against you. Okay, fine. And we get a little of that when they're chasing Graham and Yaz and company. But that's not what the plot is about. He gets he gets the whole speech and he tells you about how, how terrible we are and how awful and what you've let us do. And ha ha, we've got you now ha, ha, because we know everything about you. None of that is irrelevant. None of that's relevant 
to the no. actual plan, which is as long as you've got a phone, I'm going to format your hard drive. All, all, all it, yeah. Uh, well, no, I mean, yeah. I, I was in. I noted you mentioned it in the synopsis. I was infuriated by it in the story because, again, it's an interesting story. You could do a story that was actually about in the the way in which you're handing over all of your personal information and allowing companies to invade your privacy without necessarily thinking through the consequences. And you could demonstrate some of those consequences. And yet there was no demonstration of the consequences because, as you say, this is something that could have been done without you clicking on all of those agree, whatever, because yep. it, it it's not like clicking on agree somehow makes it legal for you to have your DNA written over. It 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 may have terrible, terrible, con- but those are not the consequences. Those are not the consequences. It's complete non sequitur. Uh-huh. And it's so <laughs> unsubtle. It's so unsubtle. Yeah, I just sat and had, I had so many problems. Uh, in in things like that all right the concept of dna um as a hard drive this is a thing that has been postulated dna contains information and it has yeah well it's it's happened it's been done it's it's happened and uh obviously not uh, like that and not to that degree but but let's just take a couple of think a couple of ideas here one according to what i could find the the theoretical number is that a single gram of dna could contain 215 petabytes of data which is 215 million gigabytes moore's law of computers which is not really a law but you know basically computing power and capacity increase double every two years we'll pass that in not that long so advanced aliens Really, are humans a logical But Moore's law doesn't say how we'll pass it. It might be that we pass it by using DNA for storage. Well, it's possible, but does it, it make does it make sense? Because if you if you took okay, let's see, do you take a human being and you rewrite their DNA and you turn them into a hard drive? You've got one big hard drive, which is still a biological entity, which will wear out, which will mutate which will no longer be able to replicate. So you've created and, well, and a planet full of, of failing hard drives immediately. The, and how well, do they eat? And how do they stay alive? Because they're not put in a hospital like those secret agents were and kept alive with a drip. They're all going to fall over and starve to death in a couple of days. All of them. Yes. We're, and Stupid. Because there are, there are a lot of interesting things about that. One of which is... Oh God! I, right, I don't quite know where to start. Let's <laughs> let's start with that with the the secret agent. So the secret agent is being kept alive, but the doctor says something like, "There is nothing to keep alive." But actually, there is because she may no longer be human because her DNA has been rewritten. But she's a living organism with DNA, which uh-huh. so that so there is that. Now, obviously. Um, it might be possible to read out of DNA after something has died. But since we don't quite know how these DNA right once memory. stories, we don't, we don't know how they're going to be used. Um, what, what that brings me to is what I think is a, is a bigger problem. I mean, the eating is certainly an issue. How, how do you, how do you keep alive? Yes, 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 yes. Um, and, 
do how much of you how much of your dna needs to from what i understand and bear in mind i understand almost nothing of this but from what i understand the dna experiments from a couple of years ago encoding this this um video would were done using the the way your immune system uh, builds in the code of viruses in order to know to resist them in the future so you've got to have you've got to still have some functioning biological systems so here's mm-hmm. the big one there is a statement in it which says that human dna is vastly more efficient at storing this stuff why it, yeah no it, it isn't it isn't i think i think that is i think when they are saying it's efficient what they're trying to say not trying to make excuses but i think what they are trying to say is that dna in such a small space contains so much potential data that is quote unquote efficiency but it doesn't have to be the human fact DNA. is it isn't efficient no it right it, it doesn't have to be animals. human dna it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be living dna that you rewrite it does i mean it really depends Artificial what, you're, what you're storing on it and the and the the question is at what point is it that you're transferring that because you don't have to you don't have to reformat as as uh barton says you don't have to reformat what what you've got there is already capable of storing information so why not just transfer the information and there may there may be consequences to that stuff may get overwritten in that there may be there may be horrific things that we can explore in a dramatic way but i i kind of feel like i i don't necessarily want a computer biology lesson dumped on me but i need it i just need something more than this nonsense okay so i think a couple things here one you know if we're talking about shows that look at the real possibilities of the privacy or dna or something you got to turn to black mirror not doctor who two um i think that there's a, a much better way that they could have implemented this and they did but then they ignored it and that was barton's seven percent Hmm. Right? Yeah. Barton's seven percent. This is steganography written onto the human being. Yes, yes, yes. And there's your spy craft, and there is your tie to something that they use superfluously in the episode for no apparent yes. reason other than just I wanted to tell you about steganography because I just found out about it. And the, then the third thing is Oh god, that yeah, this writing episode onto marks... DNA is a way of as as a way of smuggling information around. It's a fascinating uh, idea. The third one is this is the return of the writer being bit- beaten by the stupid science stick, <laughs> which I don't know if we've seen since uh, Kill the Moon, but th- this one. <laughs> like, all right. Yeah, no, I, I, I actually kind of thought that they might be going that way. Well, no, I'm, I didn't. I couldn't have thought they were going that way because... There is absolutely no clue given to what they're using the DNA for until literally the moment when he says, by the way, we're going to format you. Yes. Right? There's nothing given. So you can't be looking at this episode going, oh, the the steganography ties with the fact that they're rewriting the DNA. And if they'd said they were storing information in it, then suddenly you could have put the pieces together. But they did not do that. On rewatch, you can put that together. Just like on rewatch, you can realize that when C is killed, his last word is O. And when the creatures are forming the lights on the wall of the building for Ryan, for no apparent reason, they form the letter O. 
(laughs) But Hmm. it it serves no purpose in the story. (laughs) No, well, I did. I wondered if C saying O was supposed to be a, a. Somehow he'd realised it was O, but there is no obvious way no. in which he'd realised no. it was O. So it wasn't. It could not have. It wasn't neat enough to allow that. No, it's just. It's just a. You know, it's just. Just bad. It's just, just bad. Um, but yeah, it is. It is an interesting idea. If if an agent could, you know, rewrite a bit of the DNA in their finger or something, and get through the checkpoints with the secret information. Uh, I don't think it's as efficient as sending it via the internet hidden in a picture or something, but still, um, it's... No, but on the other hand, handing someone something in a lunchbox and photograph with their magic glasses isn't really the kind of epitome of... Well, that efficient... was that was their homage to spying. Did did they say, did C say that that spies had been intercepted? He did, didn't he? Yes. I don't know if this is just a slap at the Americans again, or the fact that the American operative was in fact a sniper killing someone, oh, yeah. not really spying. That was that looked more like military services, special forces trying to take out a bad guy, and not somebody investigating Daniel Barton. Yeah. Another thing about this story that I did not like. The doctor solves the problem off the screen, which I alluded to. Yeah. Um, the aliens are time traveling. They exist in multiple times. So why are they keeping track of people developing computer technology on Earth? I mean, the two things against it. One, why? We never get an, a why to that. And two... If they travel through time, do you really need to stake out Ada Lovelace when you could just hop into the future and see I stuff think that might... is, frankly, so much more advanced than Ada Lovelace? I, you know, all all props to her, but, you know, it's it's simplistic compared to what we have and know now. Okay. And it's easily accessible. I might have a bit of an answer to that. We, we can okay. do the Ada Lovelace thing just before we do. Final question on the DNA thing. Hmm. following on from the the spy who, as we say, is still alive, mm-hmm. but has DNA re- rewritten. Why is Barton's mum dead? Well, she was completely rewritten, so so she's dead. Um, <laughs> it's like, um... But, but she, it, it's not just, it's, it's like, it's not just when they, when they scan the agent from the plane, they say she's effectively dead or some words to that effect. Right. But she's in, a, she's in what looks like a coma. But Yaz takes one look at the mum and goes, no, you know, she's she's cocked it. That's that's not because that's the the do. Oh, boy. Well, because it because it was badly written. (laughs) That's your answer. (laughs) It's badly written. It's inconsistent across the board. Here's Uh, the thing. Here's the thing then about Ada Lovelace. There's a small there's a small spoiler here. I'm I'm. I'm very averse to getting spoilers about new Doctor Who before it comes up on the on the telly. And there is there is one thing I have heard a rumour about, which I'm now going to relate. If you want to avoid spoilers, close your ears now. Um, we are supposed to be getting an episode in which the Doctor meets Mary Shelley. And 
that's slightly worrying because they're related. Um, what? Oh no! Aren't what you mean? Related? Because um, Ada Lovelace. Byron's, Byron. Yeah, because Ada, Ada Lovelace is Byron's daughter. However, that wasn't that wasn't what I was right. Is the the worry is that um, Shelley has been a companion to the Doctor in the past on audio, and she, will the TV Ada Lovelace series too? Will hmm? Ada Lovelace too has been a companion. Tom- Eh, adventure with Tom Baker's Doctor. The Enchantress of Numbers. Yes. So... Happens in the future from the, this, This though. is the thing. We're all worrying about what's going to happen with with uh, Mary Shelley. And then we get this popping up, and it might appear to be a problem, because, as, as in, it breaks continuity. And people say, oh, yeah, time war, no problem. But the Doctor... This is, this is Ada... Ada Byron before she marries the Earl of Lovelace yeah. and becomes Ada Lovelace. So she wouldn't know the Doctor. And anyway, the Doctor is in a different right. body, so that's not a problem. The problem is the Doctor doesn't know Ada Lovelace. This may not actually be a problem either because the Enchantress of Numbers involves a big reset. And it's not clear to me that um, the Doctor and Anne actually remember anything from the story. Mm. No, it's possible. I, I, I and, you know, big finishes not canon. I haven't listened to the subsequent adventures to see if they refer back to having met Ada Lovelace, so I don't quite know if that fixes the continuity. But, you know, that's that's like, okay, that's not so bad. So in a way, Chibnall seems to have respected the audio stories, but not only that, I am 97, maybe 98% certain that he is familiar with the Enchantress of Numbers, because he included a line from it. In the Enchantress of Numbers, Ada says to the Doctor, I'm not a fool, don't take me for one. And in Spyfall, Ada says to the Doctor, I'm not a fool, Doctor. And she says, and I'm not treating you as one. Yeah. Coincidence? Could be. I think not. I think not, but it could be. Now, the relevance... they got a plagiarism charge hmm? against him. Maybe they can file plagiarism charges against Chibnall. Well, I'm not sure that, that I'm not sure that either the the idea of using Ada Lovelace would be protected by copyright, nor uh, nor a line like that. Um, I certainly didn't see uh, Paul Morris and Simon Barnard credited in the in the episode, but uh, you know, I think for one line, the the thing that I think you might be more concerned with filing plagiarism charges is so. What's the let's go back to where we started here? What's the explanation for? why the Kasavin are monitoring people involved in the history of computing throughout time. They never give that. Well, the the plot to the Enchantress of Numbers is that there is a a war in the 8th millennium. Um, this, again, spoilers for if you haven't heard the Enchantress of Numbers, obviously there is a war in the 8th millennium between computers and mankind, which mankind narrowly win. But the computers uh, try to go back in time to change history in order to um, implant a virus that is going to um, be present throughout the development of computers, etc. A load of absolute uh, poppycock. But it, but it, it is connected yeah. to this idea of there being um, future agents concerned with 
the early development of computing. And I kind of think, well, if you if you're certain that Chibnall what is familiar with that story, and he's thinking about a story involving Ada Lovelace, and he's thinking about a plot that gives him an excuse for going back, it's kind of there in that. Mm. The problem is it doesn't link to the rest of the story that he's telling and all the all the other Kasavin and Bond nonsense. I'm sure we haven't seen the end of the war. Well, we I mean, I wish we'd seen the end of the war. No, he's still gone. Yeah, he just he, he just escaped. But I, I think the war will be back. I think, I think that mysterious kelp forest that they all got stranded in. I think that will be back for some reason. I, I thought that the choices of the actors or the directors when everybody went to that place, it really freaked them out. And I don't see why. I mean, instantly, boom. Ah, I'm like really terrified. Like, okay, if I were just plopped in that place, I would be I would be terrified. If I'd been traveling in the TARDIS for a year in all sorts of terrifying and horrific places, I don't think I would have quite the reaction that Yaz had. I don't think I would have the reaction. Certainly the doctor seemed really, really more concerned she wasn't interested hey this is an interesting new place is it she immediately went to i'm talking to myself i'm so afraid doesn't make any sense unless that's supposed to be something that the doctor knows or that's deep in your psyche or the home of the timeless child or i don't (laughs) know or care um even the master when he ended up there it was i mean yeah he was mad but also I don't know. I don't know. It, it just didn't something. Something's not right. But I know we're not going to. That's not the end of the war. Um, I, well, I don't know. I'd I like mean, to think because it's a diff- just like a different dimension. The sense you're supposed to get is well, the sense I felt that the intention behind it was was to say the people transferred into it somehow. It, somehow it was intended to give a sense of being in a different dimension. If you were in a different dimension, it would be very different. And if you felt like that i mean the aliens aren't stable in ours why are we stable in theirs well exactly but i i feel i feel that um one one of the things about that is an overall weakness with um, is it is it with the whole episode i the whole story i don't know i felt like the direction so this is this is um this this isn't a two-parter in some ways because there is one director for episode 1 and a different director for episode 2 so they're written by the same person but and they're continuing I assume story. that's a logistical thing yeah I guess so I felt that the direction in part 2 was just awful awful mm. and all 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 the more apparent because some some th- some some of the things that you could compare between them like i thought lenny henry's performance in episode 1 was really good he was he was properly sinister he appeared to be just phoning it in in episode 2 in fact everyone in episode 2 appeared to be in a different story they didn't appear to be well that's not quite true there were some there were some scenes um where i thought the actors themselves did a a good job because you know they were they were sharing a scene, so uh, you know the Doctor and the Master on the Eiffel Tower, or whatever that was great. Um, 
but just the the tone between scenes was all over the shop um the way this is a, this is a classic i think the way that the scene where barton does his and one more thing product reveal mm-hmm. that that's supposed to be like apple slick that event right <laughs> right that's, it's not it looks like the director just shot it on an empty sound stage and hid the fact by pointing a few lights at the camera the this the seating looks like something out of a lecture theater there's I hardly anyone there it's a, you know it's a tiny audience and 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 the worst bit is this is the bit at the end i mean it, it there's some really poor editing as well but when the doctor uh, sorry when the master and barton realize that the thing has gone wrong and barton just walks down towards the door and says i need an, an extraction now it's not the the time the timing of it feels wrong it's not clear that how he realizes that it's gone got wrong or what happens to him in that moment or how he goes from i'm halfway through this to i'm i i need to get out of here and the, there's no there's there's no emotion to it there's no urgency to it there's just it's like yeah, he doesn't it's... really know what kind of performance he's being expected to give there hmm. it's not good you did it did jog something in my mind with regards to the directing and it had to do with him on the plane and it's not about the directing, but that made me think of it. Um, I started to mention it earlier, right? The doctor solves the problem with the silver lady off screen. Yeah. She uses her TARDIS or she uses a TARDIS. She arrives before the story takes place. She puts a virus in it. Therefore, nothing's going to happen. Problem solved. Now, if you've got a time machine, Sure. Maybe you can do that. Why don't they do that every story? Why don't they do that all the time? Why don't they never, ever have a problem? Why did Ryan, why did she fix them on the plane? I hated that, that she went back in time after the whole thing was solved and saved Ryan and the gang's life. And more than that, why, if she was going to do that, why would she put plaques all the way, like going, Ryan... Basically, Ryan, go to the next aisle. Oh, okay, no, go to the next aisle. No, okay, now look in the seat pocket of 13C. Like, why not just put it in all the seat pockets? Or why not say the same thing on all the plaques? Or what? It, it just, it's just there to be whimsically stupid. And and I, I hate it. I, I, I really, like, they're concentrating more on what's happening and not on any kind of logic or internal sense they don't care literally they don't care that the doctor solved this problem off screen 10 yeah, months but ago I, 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 I don't care about <laughs> that know? because it's not a problem i care about i mean the problems i think occur a lot well you, you should and that's a failure of the story to make yes, you care yes. about the problem and that's part of it is that the writer doesn't care so why should we like and if you if you go down that path that if you can just solve any problem after the fact then there is no time war oh wait that's because they tried to do that but uh, so it it just ah wouldn't she go back and it put plaques on the freighter in Earthshock? <laughs> yes Frederick. see there you go we can we can solve all these problems now yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, uh, throughout throughout the rest of the entire series it's all over because they can just go back and fix it before it ever happens um 
before we talk about the master, and I think we should talk about the master, and obviously this one's going to run a little long. We probably should. I, I want to say I have never heard of Noor Khan. Yeah. Uh, have you? Is that something they teach no. about? or No. Okay. No. I wasn't sure if that was like every school child in Britain knows who this woman is or whether this was a, hey, every school child in Britain ought to know about this woman. So <clears throat> did you do any research on her after you watched this episode? Yes. Not much, but yes. Did, did, does either the Wikipedia article is a hatchet job, which it might be, or this is not the woman that they should be throwing up there? Because, what does it say on okay. Wikipedia? All right. I put it together. It goes like this. One, she <clears throat> was from a Muslim India prior to prior to the uh, split. So I guess that would make probably ultimately Pakistan, but um, half American. Um, she is a pacifist follower of Gandhi. She and her brother, both pacifists, joined the war effort partially because they wanted to noble reasons. Don't, don't get me wrong. Partially because they wanted to show, you know, England, Britain, India, cooperating, strengthen ties, do their part for the war, the whole thing. Knowing that she would get an extremely dangerous job because as a pacifist, they couldn't go out and kill people. So they had to basically be in the line of getting killed, I guess. Um, she went through the training. The, the, the women's courier program was working really well. Uh, where they were sending couriers in and the Nazis weren't noticing the women because, you know, women, right? And... So they went to the radio operator program and went training her file, which they found after she was dead. Um, her trainer said, basically, um, she's not overburdened with brains, but has worked hard and shows keenness. And then his boss wrote in the margins of the paper, nonsense. We don't want them overburdened with brains. So... <laughs> They put her in France in night, June of 1943. She was arrested in October of 1943 after having been betrayed by a double agent in the French resistance. So she was only there for a short period of time. She did not talk under Still interrogation. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Did not talk under interrogation. However, uh, she apparently kept logs... Uh, and transcripts of every message that she sent against orders, because apparently she was not overburdened with brains. So the Nazis got that, were able to fake her, and for apparently quite some time were sending fake messages as her, and got quite a few people killed because of that stupid, stupid mistake on her part. Um she tried to escape and got captured. That was in November of 43. They then put her in prison for 10 months, shackled hand and foot. Uh, and then they beat her and killed her. So uh, it was not a good end. It's kind of a kind of an iffy war record. I mean, yes, a pioneer. Well, hang on. But, but, but uh, yes, a brave person. Yes, doing a dangerous job and died because of it and all that stuff. But I mean... They couldn't find somebody who whose war record didn't end with her getting a bunch of people killed because she didn't follow procedure. I, I like I say, I, I, I read the Wikipedia. Might... I'm like, wow, that's a hatchet job. Somebody must have hated her. Maybe you know, it may not be true. Oh, well, it's Wikipedia. I don't. I can't prove it's not true. But just it, uh, it just didn't come off all as good as it could. 
I'm I see I I still I mean with that with that backstory I still don't I still think she's a really interesting character and the the things that are interesting about her they don't really have to do with how intelligent her superiors thought she was or whether she did or didn't follow procedure even if you know even if she made procedural mistakes that led to other people being killed i mean you could you could explore those things the thing that bugged me about so i didn't do a whole lot of research into her but i did look up what happened next and that's kind of because there is that moment when the doctor returns her and she asks do the fascists ever win and the doctor says, not while there's people like you. Now, I don't know what you think the idea of the fascists winning might be, but if you know you're going to end up in a concentration camp and then get executed by them, you might feel that that's definitely round one to them. Yeah. So not ever win. I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying change the line. What I think, what I think is missing is you need to know why the doctor is saying that. I think if you if you put that that character with that story up there you need to know what happened to her and i didn't know what happened to her based on what i saw on the screen we didn't know much without about knowing fact- without knowing what happened to her and the doctor undoubtedly does know when she says you know not while there are people like you and so i feel which like won't be for long we kind of needed to see that I, I you know in watching through it i feel like you as a member of the audience could be forgiven if you thought she had something to do with computers or that it was tied into the fact no, that they met up with Lovelace. Um, you know, why, why did they drop into this point and land right next to her? Because the, the and I, Kasavin were monitoring her as a spy. Were they? I don't know. I, well, I didn't actually get that. And, I don't know. and you know, I the silver know. lady wasn't there and uh, I, I, Wow. That was that. That was my interpretation. Although I don't know why. See, that's I why I say you'd be Lovelace forgiven. Holding the doctor's hand would result in her ending up. I, I don't. You know. could be forgiven for that, also. And I think there's a, a difference between the way the British use the word "brilliant" and the way Americans use the word "brilliant." When you hear somebody say somebody's brilliant, here it ninety nine point nine percent time means intelligent. No, and it. I know it's not true because. You know, brilliant could also mean shining bright. That's, so, I, when the I don't doctor think that is what it means for us. What what does Intelli- it mean? I don't I don't think it necessarily means intelligent. It can do. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. But it, so when but the doctor like, says it, she's brilliant like you, my mind immediately went, she's brilliant like Ada Lovelace, a brilliantly intelligent human being. But yeah, and so therefore she would be of interest meant. to the vor, but it isn't what she meant. And then as that falls apart, you're like, why did they go there? I don't <laughs> like. I don't get that. I mean, is it just literally random plunk? I, uh, yeah, yeah. All right. I see. I I don't know. I don't know. It's a story that I would have happily had a proper episode around. Yes. Um, you know, Nora Nayak Khan is an interesting character. The period is interesting. Give us a whole episode there yeah. and do it properly. Yeah. But they Plus, didn't. I've got to say, one of one of the things I loved in this story was both both actors were really good. I liked the way the characters were portrayed. I liked them travelling with the Doctor. When when she said uh, when um, Ada says, "Does this have to 
have to be the end. I kind of think, well, I wish it didn't. I wish actually we did have the Doctor travelling with Ada and Noor. And given that there doesn't seem to be much fam development occurring at the moment, I mean... I mean, apart I, from the budding like, romance between Yaz and Ryan, but okay. Well, maybe. I, I wasn't quite sure whether that was just... wasn't sure whether that was the direction... Oh, my mother, my sister wants your phone number is the classic flag signal cliche that they're getting together <laughs> later in this. Yeah, no. I, well, yes. Yes, I suppose that is in the right. There, there was there was that. And there was the when they're sitting on the veranda and he says, I'd never let that happen to you. Yeah. In reference to her dying. Quite how he stopped someone from ever dying but still do you think she's not even really yes anymore i mean since there's no being in the other dimension the transfer or? yeah yeah she substituted for somebody else a spy well, i did i did i did wonder why they didn't check her out that, that whole sequence I'm, makes no sense i, th oh, I she's thought there and then she's she back was. okay i thought she was because we saw how she transferred but i what i didn't understand was why the doctor and oh didn't immediately think there was a Kasavin there. There is now Yaz there. Isn't it Kasavin that has taken the shape of Yaz? Yeah. Because that's kind of what I would think. Me too. Or something. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. She didn't even bother to check her DNA. Which would be a logical thing to do, considering so that they had that Perhaps weird... not definitive in this particular case. Right. So, yeah. Okay. Let's go. To... We're, we're running long. Well, it's a two-part episode. It's a long episode. It's going to be a long podcast. The Master has returned. Thoughts? <sighs> many, many, many thoughts. Um, I'm going to... I don't know quite where to start with this. I, I guess I guess my initial thing is that I haven't, I haven't much enjoyed the last three episodes compared to the rest of... Well, the whole of... The previous series, the, the 2018 series, which I thought was really, really good. One of the things I liked about it was that it basically took a clean slate. It didn't, it didn't try and erase the continuity of what had gone before, but it didn't go there. It just, it just did its own new thing quite happily, and it started establishing a different kind of show, which you know Doctor Who's always done. It's a show that regenerates, and that's why. It has the longevity it has. Uh, when um, we had resolution, we obviously had the first of the recurring villains. Well, yeah, won't go back over that. Um, we had this stuff about uh, unit being disbanded. It seemed yep. to me completely unnecessary. Yep. Now we've got more continuity in the shape of the master and another thing that we'll no doubt come on to. And so the thing that occurs to me about this is when RTD brought back the master, he, mm. he earned it. I'm not saying, I'm not saying the RTD interpretation of the master was great because it wasn't. It but was not. He'd, he'd, he'd gone for well over 30 episodes before he brought the master back. And then he sowed the seeds of that resurrection through the human nature and family of blood storyline and then utopia with Derek Jacobi and so forth. So there was a real sense of, of build up to it. Moffat, he waits for 30 or so episodes before he brings the master back. 
and then he brings the master back with a series of teasers you know dropped throughout the season and then the you know the master is is resurrected and okay we get the master back a few times but that felt kind of like it'd been earned and in particular the doctor falls felt to me like a really satisfying conclusion both to the kind of recent master arc or the that the master arc from season uh, 36 or whatever it is and to the 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 longer master story so what i'm basically trying to say is it's too soon Mm. we're bringing we're bringing back the master without without it without it really following on from from that which really just happened only just the other day and i'm not ready for it i'm not ready for it i i don't hmm. My thoughts are not as nearly as deep on this subject uh, as as yours uh, clearly are, <laughs> uh, because I don't I don't exactly treat it as if Doctor Who is a new show with a new Doctor. Um, so the no, master I'm, I'm is back. I'm saying, it's not the master came show. back. The, the 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 master is back and has come back since the destruction of ev- all the Time Lords. That was the one that had to be earned in my opinion yeah well um, I, yeah i was coming on and it was that, okay. much more so because because when when moffat when when rtd destroyed the time lords that was after a wilderness period of nine years and yeah. so he was doing it for a reason and in in connection with you know setting 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 up a backstory and re-establishing a sense of what the show is about which is the Doctor being the last of the Time Lords, being this kind of lonely alien who is the only one of his race. And that permeated all of the storylines. So it wasn't just a, a, a random plot twist. It was it was cleverly thought out for a reason. When Moffat undid that, when he brought back the Time Lords, he did so very carefully. He did it in consultation with Russell T. Davis, and he did it in a way that felt like it both honoured the, the Time War story and the Time War mythos that RTD had built up. And and yet um, it, it was kind of epic in its own right. The problem is now, like... it's there is no point to any of that. What was the point of carefully bringing back Gallifrey and I, all I, it? I feel like Chibbers was, was, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what their dynamic is between him and Moffat and RTD, but I, I'm sure he must have had a working relationship with RTD because he worked for him on Torchwood and, sure. and worked with sure. him Torchwood. So I'm sure that I just it, it it honestly feels like a writer throwing a tantrum. I am still mad that Moffat brought Gallifrey back. It was such a great idea to get rid of them. I don't want to have Time Lord stories. This is a waste of my time. What are we going to do now that they're back again? I know. I'll just blow them up. For no reason Except whatsoever. They're just, boom, they're gone. I agree. This, and, this... And, now, and now it's not the Doctor that killed the Time Lords. So there's no guilt there. It's the Master that killed the Time Lords. So we've erased the Doctor's guilt about wiping them out, transferred it to his enemy, and still got the same situation. No, it's, it's, it's terrible. It's a terrible idea. But it, but it, but it, it does. It does. Funnily enough, it does feel to me like it is almost a a kind of not not throwing a tantrum, but but a a statement of how much he disliked what Moffat did with it. And I don't know whether mm-hmm. that's true. I don't know what, that he did dislike it. But it's to say it feels the same with the way he's brought the master back, which is he doesn't acknowledge the storyline 
of Missy in the vault and any of the any of the character development that leads to her actions in the Doctor Falls. He 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 basically kind of resets it and he resets it when the memory of that is still is still fresh in our minds and that's that's what i'm that's what i'm objecting to and i don't see the need particularly with the gallifrey stuff if he's like we don't want to have stories about time lords with their big roughs and their silly politics that's fine i don't want to have stories about time lords with their big roughs and silly politics either but you can do that by not telling stories about time lords the problem with destroying gallifrey is you've now got a whole other story about gallifrey that we're going to tell and i don't i honestly don't care about it i didn't care and they're about gonna, it and he's Moffat gonna undo it, it too moffat was smart enough to use it very very minimally and now i suspect we're going to have an entire season story arc about blinking gallifrey this bothers me because he is going to undo everything we know about gallifrey anyway with his timeless child lie nonsense and well, that feels very cartmel master plan to me yes it does and i did not like the cartmel master plan and i am glad we that died the on the vine i know i'm glad it died on the vine but uh, i i uh, you know just if you don't want to do right if you don't want to do gallifrey don't do gallifrey you don't need to do gallifrey yeah, they're yeah. hiding they're going to leave the doctor alone you can spend your time in the universe we do not need that uh story we didn't need the nasty now you mentioned the whole undoing the bit with missy and the the development that they have i i was absolutely angered let's use angered for the polite word at the end of part one because one we had a character who was a decent character seemed reasonable was carrying on, you know, normal human conversations and and whatnot. And then once he's revealed to the ma- to be the master, suddenly he was John Sim from whenever John Sim appeared at the Sound of Drums or whichever one it was. He was the crazy spinning. Woo! If he'd started dancing and around the the thing, I would have. Yeah. It was like it's he's doing John Sim, and I hated John Sim's master in the RTD era and. And please, no, don't do that because we know that this guy is capable of not being nutso because he's been the whole time. He's been functioning normally then. So I was I was not happy at, at all. <laughs> and then when they came along in the second episode, I was fine with him. I was fine with him. I, I, I like him as the master. He wasn't, he wasn't nuts. It's, it's still a little annoyed about the whole... Da, 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 da. I wish they'd forgotten that, but um, except the sound they have of drums because it, it wasn't. Uh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, we won't go into so, the sound of drums. I, I must it didn't happen uh, because yeah, I must say I agree with you because um, if 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 you were unable to avoid spoilers about knowing that the master was going to be in this episode, I didn't know. <laughs> I was yes, completely, absolutely blindsided. Somebody may have, somebody may have let the cat out of the bag before I had a chance to watch this one. So, if you're watching the episode knowing that the master is in it, it's fairly obvious when there is this character who doesn't actually have anything to do with anything suddenly interacting with everyone that that's what's going to happen. So, I was watching his performance, thinking. Yes, you know, I quite like this much more 
low key this sort of someone someone who is prepared to be a backroom manipulator working all those years as an analyst in MI6 and the performance is there's definitely a kind of sinister thing going on when he's O, but it's not crazy, um, you know, sticking knitting needles up his nose type performance. Yeah. And then exactly like you say, you get to that moment on the plane and I don't know, but I, I, there are, there are moments in it that are really good, but it is, again, I think I can't help thinking it comes down to the direction because it's like, when he's at his best, I, it's got to be when he's much closer to just. I mean, obviously he's acting all the way through it, but he's but he's behaving naturally in so, in some way. It feels like Sasha Dewol doesn't. Do, his his strength is not doing the John Sim crazy thing, and I didn't particularly like the John Sim crazy thing. That wasn't John, John Sim's Sim strength John either. Sim crazy <laughs> thing. But it but it is like that's not. It's certainly not the kind of thing I've seen him do before in space uh adventure in space and time or um line of duty or whatever else i've seen him in um but it but it also just it doesn't it doesn't have a whereas his 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 general performance is actually quite naturalistic and i agree with you by and large in the second episode it's good that he gets to go to back go go you know back a bit he's still a bit shouty i think a bit in in some of it and he doesn't he doesn't need to be, um, but certainly in the in the scenes on the Eiffel Tower, he is absolutely superb. I think it would have been better, uh, uh, much better uh, for for me who did not know, and I apologize. Um, <laughs> and I didn't give it away. I didn't give it away. I just sent you an email, a text, suggesting that we do an episode about the Masters over the year for the sidecars right, yeah, and Patreon subscribers. That just I could have been. That it never occurred to me to do the master because it was so far out of my mind that that would happen. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) if he'd had the proper master beard, even if it was still just sort of a stubbly beard, I think that would have when he popped, I I still wouldn't have cottoned on to it until that moment, until he popped up and like, oh, the beard's been right there in front of my face the whole time. You know, but uh, and I did notice that his beard changed in illogical ways throughout the course of the episode. Oh, it kept it, it got it kept getting thicker. Uh, I mean, yes, at the end it was thickest when he showed up again after having waited through half the twentieth century. Um, but when he was in Nazi Germany, it was thicker than it was in eighteen thirty four, and when he was oh, and it was. <laughs> Like is that a continuity mistake, or are they trying oh, to? Else going on. I'm uh, sure it was a continuity yeah. mistake, given how, given how slapdash the rest of this was. But it, I agree, it's with a show like this when when they do this timey wimey stuff, they kind of put you on notice that this kind of thing can happen. So they damn well ought to make sure that they get everything right. I, th- you know. I like Michelle Gomez's performance much better than John Sims. And I like John Sim. And when they brought John Sim back in uh, the Dr. Falls, he was was so much better. He was super. He was, he was the master. He got to be the master. And, and I'm looking forward to him in big finish and in the masterful box set in like a year. Um, (laughs) But I, 
you know, I, I like Michelle Gomez's performance better because she did a better crazy performance than John Sim did. Yes. Yes. But I and, don't and like crazy performance I mean master. Well, I thought that Michelle Gomez played something that was well within her. She is, she, when you see her interviewed, she is crazy. I mean, she just is. So yes, her I've playing her crazy, she's it's just like, nuts. she just lets it, she lets it out. Whereas with him, you felt like he was trying to find it somewhere and he wasn't always succeeding. Yeah. And, and so, you know, trying to divorce the performance, I just don't like the crazy master. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I no, like I, the master I to be, I like the Roger Delgado master. And so I want to see the master be an actual formidable villain that you don't think is a comic buffoon. I don't like the Joker and Batman and I don't, uh, and I don't think the master is the Joker and, and shouldn't be. And so I kind of like the whacking Phoenix Joker, but that's another conversation. Yeah. So it, it just, but like I said, I, I, I would I think be Sasha more than happy to see him back. And I do appreciate the fact that they did at least throw out a line because the second I saw him walk in, in a Nazi uniform as a Colonel or general or whatever he was, I, I'm not good with ranks. And I saw him walk in. I'm like, seriously, people, an Indian dressed up as a Nazi and the guys around him don't notice that he does not look like Mr. Blonde Hair, Blue Eyes. Come on. So at least they did address they that. They did that, but <laughs> I don't I don't quite know what I feel about it. I mean, I, I was annoyed at the doctor saying she was a pacifist because she's kind of not pacifist. Right. And anyway, I'm not sure that being a pacifist when... Your, when what you're fighting against is the Nazis, Nazis is necessarily the most honourable position anyway. But that you know, I don't, I don't, don't annoy all the pacifists out there. I, 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 I kind of get it. I, I don't want to disrespect it. But the doctor then, the doctor then, in a scene that almost directly follows on from that, hands the master over, as you say, a man of Indian appearance, even if he's Gallifreyan Indian, to mm -hmm. a bunch of Nazis. Yeah. Which is kind of like having him turned over to die. Yeah, well, it's turn, turn, it's having him turned over to die, and also using <laughs> using racialist the thugs Nazis as your instrument. It. I mean, that 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 didn't. Yeah, that. The other thing that I found quite interesting, not interesting. I don't know. The other thing that I found <laughs> it gave me pause because this sort of thing seemed to happen in. The sound of drums. Um, the the the. I'm sure the ma the master made the doctor kneel, or you know, yeah. tr tried to humiliate yeah. him in some way. And here he does it again. Yeah, but this time he's doing it to a woman. Yeah, is that worse? It it kind of it, felt it, worse. Yes, it did. It did. I I I projected something completely different about a woman kneeling in front of a man. Well, it's it, just that. the first when he did it. Yeah, there yeah. was that, and I'm like. And yeah, there's subservience, doctor, not going and, there, and there's yeah. both that and subservience, and all round, it's just like ooh, ooh, yeah. And the funny, you know, the funny thing is, I've always thought, and I guess maybe this is just me, but you know, when I first heard of the doctor and the master, it's like, you know, well, that's because a doctor's degree is higher than a master's degree. Yeah. So that is not. <laughs> I, I don't. I take those as degrees, not as in. Uh, professions 
I never yes, have. Yes. In my brain, yeah. they're well, always, no, I think that's as opposed to the doctor to fixes things and the master wants to crawl, roll everything, I take it as the master's just not as good as the doctor. <laughs> yeah, which he, which he isn't. I mean, that's always been the case. So call he's, me by my name him, is like, he think, okay, undergradsman. <laughs> like, he, think, he thinks he's a criminal genius and actually he's just a bit rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, all right. Uh, well, I, I look forward to seeing him back, though. I look I, forward I, to I, seeing him I, come back in his equivalent to The Doctor Falls, you know, in <laughs> a few years' time when he's allowed to be good and do it his way. Well... Oh, I, I just need to. I need to. I need to ask you on the on the master. So, I mean, one thing there's obviously been speculation about is was he is he the master after Missy or is he a master from earlier because of the whole continuity question? And also, his TARDIS has suddenly reappeared, which you know Missy didn't have a TARDIS. John but Sim John had a TARDIS Sim at some point after he escaped from Gallifrey, but obviously by the time he became Missy, he didn't have it anymore. Anyway, well, that, then, that, then the, they went back to Gallifrey with a vortex manipulator and stole one and then destroyed Gallifrey. I mean, if they went to Gallifrey. Oh, he might have gone. Yes, he might have gone to Gallifrey. Taken it. And um, so so the master was poddling along and came across O and tissue mm. compression eliminated O and mm-hmm. stole his identity. Does that mean he stole his entire physical appearance? It feels like that, but I, I, in, on, I thought that the first time through, but when I watched it the second time, I'm not sure. I'm not sure because it's not clear to me that I, I think we don't see the, the little mini O. When the doctor met O before, she met this version of O. Yes. In other words, he, he was the already master. the master. Yes. And O says when he met the doctor before, she was a man, but I don't know if that's true because that would mean that. One previous, what the doctor, effectively, the doctor would have had to have met O before the doctor falls, for the doctor, mm-hmm. um, which I'm starting to get confused about. So maybe O was lying about that because the doctor, the doctor, it would have been quite strange if the doctor thought that O was an MI6 analyst that he'd explained to O that sometimes he regenerated and oh he might turn into a completely different person including he might change sex to so that when the doctor turns up in the outback O doesn't o blink unfazed. doesn't blink now Play, playing it. so because we get although this o does of... have a file remember he has a whole shelf full of files on the doctor yeah, which makes yeah. no sense at all considering it's the master yes which is, which is the problem because there's a, there's a whole load of there's a load of pretending to be one thing and then turning out to be another which is fine but we never we never get a sufficient explanation of what is what is the actual truth because we're being told things, but we're never the, being the shown master's long term plans where he pretends to be someone else don't make any sense. They've never made any sense. Look, uh, Castrovalva, uh, 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 you know, any of those plans where the master takes on a disguise for centuries or. <laughs> just waiting for the doctor to fall into his trap they just don't make any sense <laughs> like and this is another one if o was working on a trap to bring the doctor in which he says he was and he met the doctor before surely he had a trap he could have sprung on the doctor the last time they met if they if they met if they met yes because and if and, and if 
if the if they if the master if the doctor originally met the real O, the master must have taken over the full appearance of O. That feels like that has to be the case. In which case, he did the say something about like keeping him as must, a backup. The master must have been someone else before they were Sasha Dewal, in other words. But presumably after they were Michelle Gomez, if Sasha Dewal is indeed the one after Michelle Gomez. My brain hurts. Will we ever know? Yeah. I, I, I don't think the writer cares enough to bother to make an excuse. So I think no, I there'll, be think a, so. there'll be a, a release from Big Finish in about 2053 that explains it all. I was going to say, well, you know, if they, if they work on it now, maybe they can fit him in in the 2021 release of Masterful. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Um, question about caring. The, the references to the timeless child. Do we care? Why no, we don't. Why should we? Okay. I I find it an a mystery that's not interesting. It doesn't No, because So what? Okay, so it means what if nothing I find to us then... because we don't know what the what the Gallifreyan myth about the timeless child is or why everything is built on that story. Why it's a lie and why does it matter? Yeah. You know, okay, so if 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 you, if let's say your parents came to you and said by the way, everything you know about your family history and the history of it's, it's all a lie. None of it's true. It's completely just made up. We adopted you. You were found under a rock somewhere, you know, whatever it happens to be, right? It doesn't change you. It doesn't change anything about you. So if somebody lied about the founding of your country or a founding of your planet or the the nature it doesn't matter it just it just doesn't matter it, it it's hard to envision something that would be so devastating that you would go oh you rotten liars i'm going to kill you all and blow up your planet even if i am a crazy guy I, it just i ugh, i don't care i i literally don't care about the history of gallifrey or anything about it a little bit you know tidbit here and there but i just don't care and and if you're going to make that your through mystery and and you know and it it'll come back when the vor come back at the end of the series just like toothface did from the last one tim shaw um inexplicably it'll come back, it'll yeah, come, back. It'll come back yeah but but i i mean i i to me it's like i i it's not gallifrey per se i i've listened to the audio series set on gallifrey i find all of the kind of political shenanigans quite entertaining if you're listening to stories about political shenanigans but this is this is just there is no story being told there is no story being told we because we don't know anything about the timeless child so why should we care yeah it's not that the time lord got he said something it was all a lie about rassilon at least we'd have like well i i know some stuff about rassilon or omega omega i don't particularly care about rassilon what i need is i I need I need to know a lot more about the Timeless Child or Rassilon or whoever before some reveal about them actually makes me go... You know something about Rassilon. Oh, my God. But if it's just like there was... It's like someone telling you a a story and it's some shocking story about someone you've never heard of and know nothing about and you're supposed to be shocked about it. Whereas if someone tells you... a shocking story about i don't know your next door neighbor who you lived next door to for 20 years and you didn't know this the axe murderer like wow but you've got 20 years of build-up for that to have an impact right 
Right. In the timeless child is nothing. So yeah, it's it's just gonna mess up it's just gonna mess up continuity. <laughs> just, yeah. I just have a but bad. But it's like the war doctor. That. The war doctor was was that something that messed up continuity, but it was something that connected with something that had been built up over the sort of eight years or so, so that the show had been back, and you know it was it was quite cleverly done. Yeah. But this this well, we'll see, we'll see. It's hard to tell at this stage. All we all we're getting is the kind of foreshadowing of something happening i'm not sure we're supposed to care about it at this point but we'll see it's 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 bad wolf it's bad wolf all over again it feels like all right do you have anything else on this episode i'm sure there's other stuff that that we well have, you know there's um, not we're there's not gonna the go Farris there project <laughs> yes he called it jodrell bank hmm. she called it jodrell bank but they so, never called it jodrell bank they called it the Farris project in legopolis yeah. i guess it was the Farris project at jodrell bank now Apparently, the TCE is back. The tissue compression eliminator, yay! Yeah, I I like that much better than a laser screwdriver. And uh... <laughs> no, well, I'm I've got big hopes that the next one is going to be better. At least it's um it's written by the guy who wrote one of the absolute stone cold classics from the last season. I keep forgetting the name, but I just think of it as the Frog on the Chair episode. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> that does not bode well to they me. They take you away, I think it was called. Yes, I think that's it. Yes. They take you away. Yes, this is going to be good. The only thing mm. is, it's directed by the person who directed Spyfall Part Two, which it's not necessary. I'm just good. hoping will be an opportunity for redemption. Let me put it. I, I got to say, you know, they, they they put so little in the trailer that uh, it's not enough to even wet my interest. I don't. I don't mind. I don't need. I'm not. I'm going to watch Doctor Who anyway. I don't need a trailer. I am going to watch. I am going to watch Doctor Who anyway. But then why bother with the trailer if you're not trying to wet the interest? Why bother? It's like I, I don't I, know. I, don't I wouldn't. I wouldn't bother. I wish they didn't do them. All they ever do is include spoilers. Just let me come to it fresh, please. I know. In the in the part two trailer, uh, the trailer for part two of Spyfall, they didn't even show the Doctor or any of the fam. Because they were dead, obviously. I mean, they didn't <laughs> want to spoil the fact that they escaped from the plane. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I definitely thought they were dead. Yeah. I, I was hoping, actually, at one point there. Kind of at one point. I was. All right. Well, Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. Uh, listeners, hope you'll join us all again next time. And I will remind you that for, for those of you who are... Uh, patreon patrons uh or those who want to become sponsors we are putting out a series of podcasts short podcasts because this was not long enough um on various doctor who topics and i think this week almost certainly i think it's going to be about the master through the ages so uh please join us again next time on fusion patrol you've been listening to fusion patrol a listener supported podcast Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.